0: hi i'm debbie Georges. welcome to my show america can we talk today we're going to talk about the ukraine whistleblower farce biden's real UK- ukraine scandal candace owens one dc dem zero and finally the democrats latest threat to free speech and i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned
1: I am Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: And welcome again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and welcome to today's First Five. The Washington, D.C. media and the Democrats have been just consumed with this alleged scandal emerging the supposed scandal of the ukrainian whistleblower trying to give a heads up to america's government and when what trump was uh, involved with and in talking to the ukrainian president this really matters to understand both because it shows you how trigger happy how just the Democrat and media or I call them the Democrat media mob cannot wait to find the next argument to make to the American people about somehow, some way President Trump should be impeached. So the story is President Trump had a July of this year conversation, phone conversation with Ukrainian president. And and in that conversation, uh, they were talking about many, many issues. They both agreed there were many, many issues. But the argument is that someone reported to uh, our inspector general for, the, for intelligence that President Trump had in this conversation put pressure on Ukrainian president Zelensky Ukrainian President Zelensky put pressure on him to engage in an investigation of Joe Biden's son who is what was vice president now presidential candidate his son Hunter Biden that Trump put pressure on Zelensky to, to reopen reopen investigation into this into the scandal involving Biden and his son and a Ukrainian um, pr- prosecutor who was fired at president at, uh, Joe Biden's request in the first five days, I just want to focus on just how little it takes to inspire the left to go ballistic, claiming they've now finally found the impeachable offense. Here are a few actual facts. The person who has made this whistleblower statement to America, uh, made it actually to the um, Office of the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Intelligence Community Inspector General, and it got to the actual person holding that job, Michael Atkinson. He, this uh, unknown person, anonymous person, has claimed that in the conversation between Trump and Zelensky on the phone in July, Trump allegedly was pushing Zelensky to reopen investigation or open investigation into this whole Hunter Biden scandal involving a company named Burisma. And the, actual content of what the whistleblower had to say as reported by CNN and later actually in the Wall Street Journal acknowledged, number one, this whistleblower didn't actually hear the conversation, wasn't part of it at all, didn't know what was said. He's reporting a rumor, a rumor, just like anyone could report a rumor. He's reporting a rumor about which he has no firsthand knowledge. And second, even within what he had to say to the Office of the, uh, again, Intelligence Community Inspector General's Office, he acknowledged there was no quid pro quo floated. And that just means Trump didn't say, if you'll reopen this investigation into Biden and his son, you know, we will, uh, you know, loan you more money. Or if you don't open this, we may hold back on our aid, no quid quo. I was stumble with those words, sorry. No deal, Trump did not try to make a deal. He just said to, to Zelensky, uh, Zelensky, I think you should keep investigating Biden and his son, Joe Biden and his son Hunter. And that was a conversation, apparently in this long conversation that was mentioned several times. Why don't you look into this? And as a matter of fact, that when you back up from that, This is not a new story. It isn't like Trump dug up some long hidden secret and tried to pile on the um, Ukrainian government to look into this. This has been an ongoing known scandal for a long, long time. This has been going on since it happened, discussion of why did Biden get to get away with this whole and what he did when he was in the ukraine he is representing he's vice president at the time he's representing the obama administration he's over in the ukraine and essentially pressuring these people pressuring the ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor you have to follow the story fire a prosecutor because the chief prosecutor because that guy that prosecutor was engaged in a criminal investigation of a business, a Ukrainian business, a Ukrainian-American and his own son, Hunter Biden, sat on the board of that company. Biden was asking the Ukrainians to stop investigating, not just stop investigating, but fire the prosecutor, looking into this case, fire the prosecutor And on top of that, Biden admitted that he threatened withholding American money to the Ukraine until that prosecutor was fired. I have my incredibly wonderful Matt, the wonderful producer. He is going to play a clip. And Matt, this is the one, uh, yeah, Biden on the Ukraine and firing the prosecutor. If we can play Biden admitting this on television, national television in America, that that's exactly what he did. Here he is.
2: I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid.
0: So here you have him admitting that he pressured the Ukrainians to fire a prosecutor who was indeed looking into his son. And then you have him acknowledging on open television, anyone can see it, saying he withheld American money pending forcing the Ukrainians to fire a prosecutor who was endangering his own son. In wrapping up today's First Five, I'll just say this. The contrast between the Washington, D.C. elites, the media and the Democrats saying, on the one hand, Trump may be in a conversation that we don't even know what happened, that was reported only to us by a whistleblower who didn't hear it, so he's reporting a rumor based on, and even in the rumor said there was no quid pro quo. There was no, you give me this and I'll give you this. It was just him, Trump, allegedly pressuring Zelensky to indeed um, look into this matter further, which got dropped. But once the prosecutor got fired, six months later the case was dropped, that a rumor reported with no illegality about it, is enough to say, we better be talking impeachment, Biden running for president and openly acknowledging he withheld American aid to the Ukraine until they fired the person they wanted fired, doesn't seem to bother these, the, you know, the, the media, just they have descended on Trump like they have discovered uh, the most amazing, astonishing wrongdoing in American history. Nothing that Biden does ever bothers them. I'm going to wrap up today's first five by saying this. You have to get, and I'm sure you do if you listen to the show, the media and the Democrats are looking for any possible argument, anything, to get President Trump out of office. I think they're perfectly aware he will otherwise win a second term as president. And they are looking for anything they can hang their hat on. So those crazy headlines you were reading, really, when you look at the contrast between what Trump allegedly did with no proof at all that he even did it, and even if he did, it's not illegal. And what Biden admitted doing, and then the press tries to look you in the face and say, don't worry, we're being fair, we're being reasonable. This is what, what Biden acknowledged doing is flat out misuse, abuse of his power as vice president to protect his own family. There's nothing that screams corruption better than that. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I want to go on talking about Biden and and his role because understanding what Biden's real Ukraine scandal was matters a lot because this is, I will tell you why I think this is coming out now, why this hysteria, this just a windstorm attack on Trump is happening. It's because people in the media are catching on to the idea that if Biden even has a remote chance of winning the Democrat primary and becoming a candidate against Trump, if Biden even gets close to it, There's going to be closer and closer scrutiny of his conduct in the Ukraine. Closer and closer scrutiny will make more people realize that Biden was actually extremely, horrifically corrupt. This is a what this little story we've been talking about today. This is the tip of the iceberg, tip of the iceberg, of all of the corruption that went on between Biden and his son, Hunter, and the Ukraine, and also with Russia. This is not like a mild little one, tiny little misstep once. So this is what I think the, the, the media is trying to do, is to preempt the focus on Biden and his conduct with Ukraine and say, okay, everybody look at Trump. Look at this guy over here. Look what he did. He, he actually might have said in the phone to the president of Ukraine, you better look into Biden. Well, first of all, the idea that we that the Ukrainians otherwise didn't want to look into Biden is completely false. In fact, the Ukrainian government, once they, they submitted to, they, they just surrendered to the pressure by, that Biden gave them and said, OK, OK, we'll fire the prosecutor. Six months later, the case collapses. They stop looking into it. This is all happening, uh, you know, years ago. But the Ukrainians didn't really forget it. They didn't really uh, stop it. And so I want to just tell you a little bit about what the... Um, what's happened since and how we got here today the government of the Ukraine of the Ukraine under both pre- the previous president which was the one that Biden and Obama were dealing with Ukrainian president Poroshenko and now president Zelensky have been trying to deliver information to the U.S. State Department, to our State Department, to give them a heads up about Obama officials and the Democrat Party officials, the DNC, on behalf of Hillary Clinton, requesting the government of Ukraine to interfere in the 2016 election. Please let me make sure you got that. The Ukrainian government had already been trying to reach out To our State Department, our US State Department, to say there's a lot of information here that we think you should have about Hillary Clinton and the DNC trying to coerce the Ukrainians to interfere in the 2016 elections. So they've tried to present this information to the State Department. The State Department filled with Obama holdover you know, deep state types who are there in the State Department to preserve the Obama Revolution, to, uh, to you know, preserve and carry forth the radical shift to the left that the country experienced under Obama, these people would not receive the information. They literally said, no, thanks. We don't want to hear it. They, this, our State Department, realizing Ukraine is trying to give them information about corruption of Obama and the DNC, has been saying, no, hands off. We don't, you know, arms length, stay away. We don't want to hear it. So then the Ukrainian government took the information and they went to a private lawyer in Washington, asked the lawyer to give this information to the State Department. And allegedly he did. State Department, crickets. They're not going to look into it because looking into corruption of the Obama slash Clinton people and maybe into Biden violates rule number one in the deep state, which is you never, ever, ever, ever can accuse a Democrat of wrongdoing. You never do it. You won't investigate. You won't look into it. You just look the other way. Done. So the Ukrainians, Still wondering, why is it the State Department isn't interested in this? Why isn't America interested in this news? They then began to work through and ultimately went through Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's personal attorney. Giuliani is now in the picture. So when you had the Wall Street Journal burst on the scene last week and just act like the the sky was falling, we've discovered the most astonishing scandal ever that Trump happened to have a conversation with the president, you know, with his counterpart, his president of of the Ukraine, and telling President Zelensky that he thought the Ukrainians should still be looking into what the heck Biden did, and probably what the other Democrats did, the, they, the Wall Street Journal, even but certainly CNN, the left wing media has been trying to act like this is the most shocking revelation that a president would actually encourage Ukrainians look into it. Ukrainians are saying we've been looking into a lot of corruption. We're trying to tell you. We tried to tell your State Department they wouldn't they wouldn't let us. They wouldn't receive the information. They just didn't want to hear it. Same with when they had a private lawyer provide that information to the State Department. So here we are. You know we're moving forward in 2019, Ukraine. Ukrainians are, you know, Zelensky and Trump are working together. Well, in fact, they're gonna be together this week at the UN. Zelensky and Trump are gonna meet this week. I think that's the first time they're gonna meet in person at UN this at the UN this coming Thursday, I think it is. And so, you know, they'll eventually talk about things, but the idea that the media and the Democrats are trying to convince the American people that the scandal to watch here the scandal to keep your eye on is what Trump said in some conversation in July with Ukrainian President Zelensky, and not what Biden has been doing and did under the Obama administration as Vice President, protecting his son and his son's business from a criminal investigation by the, a special by the, the top prosecutor in the in the Ukraine, and actually withholding American money to the uh withholding american money to ukraine until they agreed to fire this prosecutor i mean if there ever was an example of the absolute Convoluting of justice and and truth, it is the way in which the media is acting. Like this is the most hysterical thing that has ever just the most amazing wrongdoing. Because Trump, might have said to Zelensky, you better look into this. And again, no evidence Trump had any quid pro quo. In fact, the um, the uh, Ukrainian foreign minister has come forward saying, you know, uh, there was there was no wrongdoing far as we can see. I mean, they he, they he's acknowledged. Yeah, they talked about a lot of things, but there was nothing inappropriate. There was no um there was no effort by president trump to tell Zelensky that you know we're going to withhold money or promise money he said there was no pressure at all in that call this is someone who actually knows about the call not an anonymous uh tipster alleged tipster to our government who's trying to stir things up uh, but actually someone aware of what would happen the call is saying uh, there was no pressure there just wasn't any but this Excitement in Washington about the idea that maybe they've uncovered something in which they can use to impeach Trump has even gotten to the point that Nancy Pelosi, who's been trying to say all along, there's not enough here, guys. There's not enough here to her fellow Democrats. You can't impeach a president because you don't like him. You can't impeach a president because he won and you wish he had lost. She's been trying to tell the Democrats, you have nothing to impeach him on. That's what she's been trying to say. But this little story being spun as though it is a, you know, the kind of scandal of the century, which until, at least based on everything we know today, there's not even a whiff of a scandal in this conversation. But, you know, the media, So, but Nancy Pelosi has said, maybe this is it. Maybe this actually will get close to impeachment. I want to talk about the media's role in this for just a moment. It was so interesting. There was a Wall Street Journal piece that came out last week. It was the big, you know, announcement uh, that this was reported as a news story, not an opinion piece. A news story. Trump repeatedly pressed Ukraine Ukraine president to investigate Biden's son. And you know, there was another even crummier, really obnoxious, just stupid level um, editorial in the Wall Street Journal today by some guy named Alan Cullison who is basically saying that this is the most outrageous potential scandal if Trump did what we think he did, you know, this is horrible, this is the end of the world. And he went on to say in his piece that, you know, Trump's trying to make reference to what Joe Biden did in the Ukraine, protecting his son, you know, orc- arm-twisting Ukrainians to fire a prosecutor to protect his son and threatening to withhold money. As he admitted, just saw on open television, to withhold money? from Ukraine until they agreed with his arm twisting, fire the prosecutor to protect my son. The idea that that whole episode is known to all these people in Washington, including this joker who wrote the piece at Wall Street Journal, and yet what he reported in this piece that I'm telling you about is he said, And after you know, everyone's looked at. Everyone's confirmed nothing wrong with what Obama did, with with what um, Biden did. Nothing wrong with arm twisting. Nothing wrong with saying we demand you stop investigating my son's company. Nothing wrong with the idea that um, Biden said, you know, we're going to hold back our our aid to your country until you do what we say. I mean, this guy tried to pass that off as. No big deal. But this idea that maybe Trump said something in a call with Zelensky last month or in July, you know, that that is a scandal of the century. So I looked into this guy. I'm like, why would somebody in the Wall Street Journal that, you know, people always say, well, if it's the Wall Street Journal, it's probably the conservative view. Just to be clear, the Wall Street Journal has plenty of uh, writers, reporters um, who are not conservative. They have a fairly conservative editorial page, but they've hired writers and who publish on the editorial page and, and people who write who are simply not conservative. They are out they are very much out to get conservatives, just like so much of the mainstream media, even the Wall Street Journal. And this guy Cullison, getting to my point, I looked into it, I'm like why would a guy write this just completely? You could have you could have found it on, you know, Huffington Post or Vox or Atlantic or one of those just well-known left-wing rags. But he wrote in the Wall Street Journal. This guy Cullison, you know, he does have a very Ivy Leagueish education. I looked into him. Um, he has a. Um, he did work for uh, Wall Street. He works. Uh, I'm going to get to the important point in a moment. But um, he first worked for Dow Jones as a copy reader. Um, he began with a, a, the Associated Press um, in June 1995. June 1995, long time ago. He moved to Moscow as a reporter and in May 1998 became the Newswire's Moscow Bureau Chief. This is a guy who loves leftism and communism so much he's lived in Russia since 1995. His head He goes to liking whatever it is Biden and Obama like. He would like the idea that Biden arm twisted the Ukrainians. He would, I mean, this is a guy who's got his bias so woven into how he sees the world that he actually with a straight face, I assume writing he had a straight face, put in a line in this piece he wrote about and you know people looked into it not one darn thing wrong there's absolutely nothing wrong with with um, you know with Biden going over to the uh, Ukraine and arm twisting him to fire prosecutors looking into his own son's business and threatening to withhold American money I mean, seriously, so, and you know, there were other uh, pieces written by various outlets talking about the, um, you know, the, the whole Biden adventure, but I'm just, I am just skimming the surface of this story today. I want you to understand how serious this is. Number one, Biden and his son, and all of the dealings with, as I say, not just the Ukrainians, with the Russians and other entities, the Biden people team, which is, you know, Obama, Biden, use their power in very corrupt ways, especially I'm t- this, this deal with this whole setup with deals and whose son can be on some company. In fact, Biden's son became a board member of this Ukrainian company that was being investigated and about to be prosecuted. His son became uh, a board member there with absolutely no expertise in anything the company did. He earned as much as $83,000 a month. I'll take that gig, eighty-three thousand dollars a month, to with no knowledge of any kind about the business Barisma was engaged in. But he was, after all, the son of the vice president. That's how Hunter Biden got this job. That's why his dad was, you know, uh, in in the middle of things in the Ukraine doing what he could to protect his son's interests. And as people became more and more aware of how corrupt the company was and they're looking into it, in fact, uh, Britain had frozen this, this company's assets, Ukrainians looking into how corrupt this company was, and so Papa Joe stepped in on behalf of his son back when he was still vice president and just said, you know, you, you can't have any money from us. You're going to j- fire this prosecutor and drop the investigation. And so they did. So the idea that this story emerged out of nowhere in the last, you know, Know since last Friday, and, and all of a sudden, who knew there was uh, questions about Joe Biden's conduct in the Ukraine? There were people in America, there have been since the whole thing happened, wanting to understand what in the world Biden was doing. There's a great book about it, Peter Schweitzer's book, and I, I have the name of the book in my Why It Matters. I don't have it right in front of me, but Peter Schweitzer wrote a book. Um, saying, you know, essentially laying out and to be really clear, it's not just Biden, many officials, many people on both parties, so it's not even just all Democrats. Major, major international big players, big money people. John Kerry use their money for international string pulling and influence. Peter Schweitzer's book was a uh, secret empires. That was you know, secret empires. It's a great read. There's a whole chapter just on Biden talking about how corrupt this was. So now we'll come back to the Washington news of today. You must realize that everything I just told you, again, which is only the tip of the iceberg, but everything I just told you, The people writing these stories at the Wall Street Journal and CNN and Atlantic, you know, I mean, CNN and Atlantic are typically left wing, whatever they can do to destroy Trump is, is, you know, that's their kind of journalistic standard. But these people decided that all of the corruption known to have occurred, which Biden has admitted on national television has occurred or at, at a televised conference everyone's seen, that's all fine. That's all fine. We're not going to talk about that. But man, if Trump if Trump actually may have encouraged Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, to look into it again. Now that's a scandal. That is worth just having a meltdown. The guy should be impeached. Uh, Biden got caught in a bit of a fib. I have one more clip of her, clip of Biden in a moment, but he got caught in a little tiny fib. He was asked, actually, it's a big fib. He was asked about whether he knew, uh, whether he was involved or anyway connected, aware of his son's business dealings. Because of course, Biden's going to say, "I didn't even know, you know, anything about what Hunter, my son Hunter, was doing. I had no reason. I didn't go after that prosecutor to protect my son, who's on the board of the company being investigated. I didn't even know." So, you know, Joe Biden said recently. I've never discussed my, my son's business dealings in the Ukraine. Unfortunately for him, his son, Hunter Biden, in a very lengthy interview actually said, oh, yeah, actually, yes, I have talked to my dad about, about Burisma, this Ukrainian company. So, you know, Biden, he fibbed, you know, he thinks, I guess he's, he's um, protecting his son or something, but what he's really doing is kind of telling, um, you know, telling America that he's trying to distance himself Joe Biden, trying to distance himself, doesn't really want America to understand what he did. But folks, I'm gonna wrap up this segment and this topic for today to say, we may come back to this because this whole secret empire, Biden, uh, I mean, in the Biden family, to be clear, and the kind of things they pulled while he had the power of the presidency, and he did, as he was power of the vice presidency, While he was vice president, he actually was in charge. I mean, Obama put him in charge of that region of the world. He was the one to deal on behalf of the Obama administration with the Ukrainian government. He was the one on top of things uh, on the Ukrainian government. And this was what, what he did there, what he decided to do. Now, this is, I mean, and backing up from that, recognize this is still Biden functioning in an era when, you know, Hillary Clinton had been the secretary of state the first four years under Obama. Many, many people put in by Obama, you know, kind of the deep state layered into the secretary of state's office, into the Department of State's office. So that when you get around to the Ukraine trying to give information to the Department of State, those people who are loyal to Obama, Clinton, Biden, leftism, socialism, those people, they just weren't going to let Ukraine's get the information to them. Ukrainians get the information to them, which is why part of the reason this whole thing has now come out public because they couldn't get the Department of State to listen. They finally went through Giuliani. Giuliani, again, meeting with Ukrainians was in response to the Ukrainians inability to get our own State Department to listen and then, so Giuliani has had a couple of meetings on behalf of the Obama administration with, I mean, of the Trump administration, excuse me, Trump administration uh, with different officials from the Ukrainian government, uh, talking about you know, this whole investigation, how much more should happen. I, I have one more clip I wanna quickly mention. Um, there was a um, a quote by uh, Biden. This is, uh, he, he used this statement. I'm gonna play it first and then just tell you, ask you if what in this statement, this clip of Biden, reminds you of something on the playground in second grade. So this is our other clip from Biden, very wonderful. Here's what I know.
2: I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader, trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened, that appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum and he's using the abuse of power and every element of the the presidency to try to do something to smear
0: me. Okay. Are you, I'm sorry. Is he like in second grade? i the idea that this is a candidate for the presidency who is, you know, was the vice president for 8 years and he says I'll beat him like a drum. I honestly he's like a second grader. But on a more serious note, Just consider the irony, the hypocrisy. This is Joe Biden, who, if you read Peter Schweitzer's Secret Empires, if you read articles about it, it's a long and serious book. If you read articles about it, This is a guy who used his power, the vice presidency, over in the Ukraine to protect his own son, to withhold money, U.S. dollars, from Ukraine until he could force the Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor who was looking into the corrupt practices of a business in which his son was on the board. And he's trying to say that he thinks Trump is abusing his power. I mean, this is another. There's a funny clip, and I didn't find it fast enough today. There's a funny clip. I don't know if Trump just wrote it or he said it out. But he basically said, this is another mission of the left, another effort of the left where they're going to end up looking foolish that they, you know, in fact, I think he encouraged the media. Yeah, you keep digging, keep digging. You can go, go ahead and keep digging because he, Trump, knows exactly what Biden did. Most of Washington knows what Biden did. But all that corruption Biden did. He's perfectly comfortable staring reporters in the face with cameras rolling trying to virtue signal his goodness and say, yeah, this is an example of Trump's corruption, Trump's abuse of power. I mean, the irony is so thick. It's just, you it's just staggering. So we're gonna come back to this story. I have a feeling it's gonna be one of those stories that kind of comes up and goes back down. As soon as the Democrats realize we have nothing here, you know, we tried the Trump-Russia collusion. We tried a bunch of other things, didn't work. This is gonna rise and fall too, but it's a real window on the Absolute determination of the American left to find any way possible to take out President Trump to find a basis for impeachment, and it's also a window on their absolute willingness to cover for anything any corrupt Democrat ever did, including Hillary Clinton and including Joe Biden. Well, there was a really great hearing in Washington yesterday, or I guess it was last Friday. I mean, I'm going to guess some of you listen to my show you've probably seen it but i want to just set the stage candace owens the founder of blexit the black and latina exit from the democrat party just a fireball young she's been on the show a couple times she's a young beautiful smart black woman conservative woman trump supporter in washington the house ways and means committee a subcommittee the house ways and means committee held a hearing last week on alleged white supremacy. And they called in two white, prissy women professors to, to just you know melt down with their virtue-signaling sadness over the extent and the outrage of white supremacy in this country. Of course, a Democrat-majority House is using this to send a message to Black America that, Democrats, we see your problems, we see your woes. But the Republicans called Candace Owens as their witness. She was there, and the clip I want to play, this is Candace Owens in front of the House Ways and Means Committee. Last week, I want to set, one of the, two of the things to set up. In her opening statement, before you hear the clip I'm going to play, which you will love, but in her opening statement, Candace Owens actually said, Of course, white supremacy is indeed real. But added, despite the media's obsessive coverage of it, it represents an un, and here are her words, it represents an isolated, uncoordinated, and fringe occurrence within America. So Candace Owens opening statement saying, yeah, and whites hearing white supremacy. Yeah, it exists. She says, but it's despite the media's obsession, it is isolated, unquoted and a fringe occurrence. And she said it's a fringe occurrence that's being used, in my opinion, by Democrats to scare Americans into giving up their votes to a party that can no longer win based on simple ideas which is why we're seeing so many of these hearings back to back despite the other threats that are the other threats that are facing this nation she says i want to reiterate that point white supremacy is real just as racism is real but neither of the ideologies are real in this room they become mechanisms for the left to continue to call hearings and to distract from much bigger issues that are facing this country so with that, I want to play, this, you'll hear first these two women, these women professors called in, white professors called in to talk about white supremacy and how terrible it is, and then you'll hear Candace Owens on fire. Thank you, Matt. I just have to say that I object strenuously to your use of the word hilarious. Um, to me this feels a lot like your reaction to being named in one of these manifestos. Now, you're, of course, not responsible for the words of somebody writing that document. But I do
1: think that laughing at it is a real problem, because these are real families that are impacted by this violence. And I think our efforts towards talking about this have to start from a place of mutual respect, which is what I've heard from, from this side of the table.
2: Uh, Ms. Owens, I, obviously, this is a gang up on you, you know, we, we're, we're giving, uh, these witnesses the ability to do a rebuttal on you and so um, you know i i find it unfair miss Ballou. i mean you know candidly for you to show mutual respect and then you to go after miss owens it's not appropriate so miss owens you can have 4 minutes and 34 seconds to respond however you yield for
0: a second. i'll I'll yield to th- Thank you. Uh, I believe, Ms. Owens, when you used the word hilarious, it was in it was referencing the fact that no one had asked you a question. It wasn't to the subject matter of the hearing. Is that right?
1: That is correct. And for
0: ha- to have another witness insinuate something that is not accurate is just not appropriate Mr. Chairman for how witnesses are supposed to behave in front of this committee. I also think you didn't say it doesn't matter about the
2: subject matter of today's hearing. You said there are other subjects that matter as well and maybe we should spend some time on those. Is that accurate?
1: That is correct and they matter much 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 more and I have said that I said that in my Opening, and I will say it again, you know that white supremacy and white nationalism is nowhere near, ranks nowhere near the top of the issues that are facing black America. And the reason that you are bringing them up in this room is because it is attempt to make the election all about race as the Democrats. Not do. in my
2: case, Ms. Please do don't Owens. I'm sorry, Please my, do not characterize Mr. my motive. Mr. Chairman, it's my time. Yeah, you, it's you've my got, time. You, you've got your time, Mr. Meadows. I'll Every give you three more seconds.
1: May, Every four years you bring up race and you knew exactly what I meant when I said hilarious and you just tried to do live what the media does all the time to republicans to our president and to conservatives which you tried to manipulate what i said to fit your narrative okay i was not referring to the subject matter that is hilarious i said it's hilarious that we are sitting in this room today and i've got two doctors and a missus and nobody can give us real numbers that we can respond to so we can assess how big of a threat this is because you know that it is not as big of a threat as you are trying to make it out to be so that you can manipulate and the audacity of you to bring up the Christ Church shooting manifesto and make it seem as if I laughed at people that were slaughtered by a homicidal maniac is in my opinion absolutely despicable and I think that we should be above that to try to assign reality or any meaning to a homicidal maniac writing a manifesto, which by the way, let the record show, also stated Spyro the Dragon, the child's cartoon, as a source of inspiration. He also cited Nelson Mandela as a source of information. I don't, think, I don't think that Nelson Mandela has inspired mosque shootings. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. You, are, you would rather assign meaning to a homicidal maniac than to actually address that I said to, the things that I said today that are actually harming black America. Number one, father absence. Number two, the education system and the illiteracy rate. Illegal immigration ranks high, abortion ranks high, white supremacy and white nationalism, if I had to make a list again of 100 things, would not be on it. This hearing, in my opinion, is a farce. And it is ironic that you're sitting here and you're having three Caucasian people testify and tell you what their expertise are. Do I know what my expertise are? black in America. I've been black in America my whole life, all 30 years, and I can tell you that you guys have done the exact same thing every four years ahead of an election cycle, and it needs to stop. Okay. Friends, friends,
0: I hope every single one of you gets a hold of that clip or this segment of the show. Share it with your 1,000 best friends. That clip needs to go all around the country. I do know it's already going viral. That is Candace Owens testifying before the U.S. Congress. The points she made, they are made in a way so forcefully, so articulately, so passionately, and yet so, you know, for all the outrage you might feel she may have felt sitting there in front of the uh, Congress and frankly in front of the country because the hearing is is going out live, she's sitting there in front of the country being mocked by two virtue signaling white prissy women professors who are trying to claim that white supremacy is a big problem in this country and she speaking from the virtuous, she said she's been black her whole life for 30 years it wouldn't even make the white supremacy issue in this country would not even make the top 100 issues of concern to her that impact and hurt the black community in this country yet and she was responding to them who were th- these ladies who were deliberately lying Do not let them say, well, we might have misunderstood what you meant. They were lying. They were trying to get America to think that she was mocking or laughing about incidents involving white supremacy. Obviously she would not do that. She did not do that. And then these women actually raise the issue of the, as Candace calls him, homicidal maniac who killed a bunch of people at Christ Church and somehow attach her to that, although they try to say, well, we don't mean to attach you. I mean, these people went after her personally, viciously, and just 100% dishonestly. I cannot commend Candace Owens enough for her composure, her intelligence. You know, she was amazing and be able to hold on to all the arguments that they'd made, all the unfairness, all the ludicrousness, the the moral idiocy of the leftists sitting in that room. And she clearly was bothered, clearly, you know, she was, she was rattled, but she was clear, substantive, specific, and just knocked it out of the park. And the job of every patriot in this country, you've got to share that clip with everybody you know. Share this segment. Tell people this is what's happening to people who tried to speak the truth. That's all she wants to do, is she want to go to Washington to say, if you're concerned about white supremacy, and she's called as a witness by the Republicans, and because the Democrats want to hear, you know, hold yet another hearing to discuss and, and grotesquely exaggerate, as Kanz Owen says, the problem of white supremacy in this country And Candace always wants to say, you know, you want to know really the problems that are hurting black America, fatherlessness. She goes through them many, many times in her testimony and other of her remarks, fatherlessness, the destruction of the family, the uh, substitution of government for the place of the father and the parents and the home. So we have social programs that facilitate the the perpetuation of the welfare state instead of inspiring people to become independent and, and, and able to care for themselves. She deliberately and repeatedly attacks the Democrat Party, pointing out that they raise race. You get near every election cycle, every time that there's a big election coming. And they have been working all the time since Trump won his election to plant the lie in the hearts and minds of the American people that this is a country filled with white supremacists, filled with racism, and grotesquely exaggerating the numbers and the impact. And to be clear, Candace Owens is saying, obviously there are some people that entertain that mindset, that do think that way. But thank God for Candace Owens that she's making the point that literally, Most Americans know, I think of every background, most Americans know, as she said, this white supremacy, is back to her uh, opening statement, it is isolated, uncoordinated, and a fringe occurrence within America. But she rightfully and and just beautifully calls out the ugly intent of the Democrat party in this country to stir up fear and hatred in our culture, in in our country, to cause Democrat voters to be afraid to step off the Democrat plantation. It was brilliant. you got to share that segment. Thank God. Truly, thank God for Candace Owens. The last story I want to hit today, you know, I use the expression all the time that it's the American left. That is really tyrannical. I want to just tell you a hearing they had last week. It's very, it's just a hint of where they would go if you ever gave the Democrat Party the House, the Senate, and the White House. In the U.S. House last week, there was a hearing that was about the idea. It was a hearing before the, um, House Ways and Means Committee. The purpose of the hearing was to float the idea that every group that the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated as a hate group should be stricken, should be eliminated from eligibility for their tax-exempt status. So you likely know in Washington, there are organizations on both sides of the aisle. There are conservative organizations and liberal organizations. They have 501c3 status or 501c4 status. It's a tax status that allows people to make contributions and then to deduct, the, deduct the contributions from their taxes. Organizations that otherwise would have a really hard time having a voice in Washington have a voice because they have donors around the country saying yes i agree with your message i will donate you because i want you to go to washington and spread this message and individuals around this country who are passionately wanting to speak have america hear their voice they don't have the ability to get on a a podium someplace and start speaking and draw everyone to them but they do have the ability to donate money to the organization that organizations that speak the message they believe in. That is why the Supreme Court held, in some cases involving campaign contributions, that campaign donations are a form of free speech, or that unconstitutionally limiting campaign donations is an unconstitutional limitation on free speech. Is the way you can express yourself is because you can give money to a group that speaks. So back to this hearing in Washington yesterday. The Southern Pavi Law Center is profoundly radically leftist. They All they really are, they put a fancy, nice-sounding name on their mission to destroy all the voices of conservative America, to destroy the voices of Christian groups, groups that speak up for border security, groups that speak up about dangers facing this country, groups that speak up for religious freedom and the protection of religious freedom in this country. Everything the left hates. Everything the left hates. Religion. The idea of people actually living their life based on their religion, security of borders, the idea of traditional family, the idea of of protecting America from our enemies, all the things the left hates. The Southern Poverty Law Center conveniently labels every group that dares to challenge liberal orthodoxy on anything a hate group this is how the southern poverty law center works so what you heard from the democrats who who this currently unfortunately have the majority of the house this house wains and means committee hearing it was a democrats telling america if you will just give us the majority so we have they have the house they can get the senate they have the presidency they will shut down free speech that is what they are promising, nothing less. When they say, we're gonna pull the tax exempt status of anyone listed by the radical leftist, thoroughly discredited and disgraced Southern Poverty Law Center, if SPLC says somebody's a hate group, we're gonna cut your funding. We're gonna cut off your ability to collect money from people because we're gonna take away your 501 status. Folks, if there ever was an example of tyranny and the silencing of voices, the complete evisceration of the First Amendment, the Democrats told you right there on that hearing last week, that's where they are. And now my friends, I want to turn to what I love to do at the end of every show is tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. I only talk about stories that shape our country's future. Number one, the Ukraine whistleblower farce and why it matters. The mainstream media and the Democrats are hysterical over a Trump phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky because an anonymous complaint was made by someone with no firsthand knowledge of the call, meaning he was reporting a rumor who acknowledged no quid pro quo was offered, meaning not offering money or threatening to withhold aid to the Ukrainians, therefore not illegal. It's more like two leaders of a country talking. This is grounds for impeachment if you're Nancy Pelosi, as opposed to Joe Biden's on-tape admission that he threatened to withhold aid to the Ukrainians unless they'd fire a top prosecutor who just happened to be investigating a company run by Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Biden's real Ukrainian scandal. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has essentially no objective qualifications for the jobs in finance or energy beyond his last name. Yet, business deals done involving him in the Ukraine and in China, while Joe Biden was vice president of the US and major US aid and policy questions were at issue, have enriched the Biden family by millions. This type of corrupt enrichment through the sale of US influence, a version of pay to play, It is bipartisan. I'm not just picking on the Democrats. You should read Peter Schweitzer's Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. Truly eye-opening. Trump is blowing this corruption up and the deep state wants to silence him. On Candace Owens, the most extraordinary spokesperson, Candace Owens is intelligent, insightful, courageous, and conservative and happens to be young and black and a voice and a force for tremendous good in restoring America. Her latest congressional testimony went viral again, puts the lie to smug leftists, this time white liberal professors scolding her about white supremacy. The best part though, in my view, was her pointing out on national television and viral video that Democrats consistently stir up fears about racial prejudice and they grossly exaggerate the issue at election times to keep black America voting Democrat. This was simply priceless, Priceless. must share that story. And finally, the Dems' threat to defund speech. To protect liberty, we have to have freedom of speech. The Dems in Congress threaten the tax-exempt status of organizations listed on the thoroughly discredited and radically leftist SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, hate list. This is a flat-out abuse of power and proof of the tyranny of the intolerant left. Support for a border wall, opposition to the communist Green New Deal, support for traditional marriage, all of those are called by the left Hate speech, understand this, labeling anything liberals do not like as hate speech is the political tool of our time, used by the left to eliminate freedom of speech in America. Fight back, do not listen to the Southern Poverty Law Center. One last thing in closing today, tomorrow we have a very special guest joining us, Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's going to be talking about her new book, uh, What's Happening on the Ground in Washington. And I hope you can tune in tomorrow and every day to America Can We Talk. I do this show out of love of this precious, extraordinary country, this experiment in human liberty. I try to speak up for it every day because America matters. I'll talk to you next time.
2: we talk truth about America.